welcome to Nerds Eye View, episode 221 for the 21st of April. My name's Jordan, and I'm with... Andrew. Ooh, oh my goodness. And... Tom. Welcome. Hi. Welcome. We have a fantastic show ahead of us. We've got the box office top 10 new releases, uh, our review of Child 44, our guess the ending, and of course, new in theaters. So let's get to it. All right. Count me down. I want to go to the ball with number 10. Cinderella. <clears throat> but in order to get there, I have to be number nine. Insurgent. Uh, but when I get there, I'm going to look for number eight. Woman in gold. Hopefully the ball is in number seven. The monkey kingdom. Well, if it is, then I'm definitely going to have to number six. Walk hard. And to do that, I will take number five. The longest ride. Until I get number four. And probably by the time I get there, she will have number three. Unfriended. Because I really enjoyed number two. Paul Blatt, Mall Cop, And in order to cleanse my palate of that movie, I had to watch number one. Furious Seven. Yeah, it's hard to do a sentence with these number ones. Right. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Stop doing numbers. I just had to... So we got to ask Hollywood. Yeah, we couldn't even no pretend they were just words. We had to actually talk about them like they were movies mm-hmm. because of the numerals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but this is interesting. The numbers actually went down even though we had a better showing than last time. Remember, was it last week or the week before? It was just straight up like everybody went and well, saw when, one movie. Yeah, when Furious 7 came out, right. everyone went and saw that and then yeah. everything else made $1 like million. Less than, t- less than $10 million a piece. Yeah. So we've got a bigger spread this time, but as a whole, it's less money in general. Um, Furious 7's in the top spot again, but a curious thing happened. A number two movie in America is Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, which I'm sorry, I've seen lots of trailers of because I watch TV, mm-hmm. and it's uniformly looked horrible. Mm-hmm. But it's still made over $20 million, and I don't understand because... Two words, Happy Madison. <laughs> you think that's it? You think that's all it takes? Well, Adam Sandler movies get all the big buzz, and no but, one really likes them anymore. But he's not even in... I don't know. Yeah, but his production company did it, so... That's true. It's just... I guess... I just don't want to live in a world where bad movies can be made by companies that people like, and that's what draws people. Because you... You did a wonderful thing. I, d- I put a link here in the list of just showing the Rotten Tomato score here, and it's a 0% right now. Paul Blart Mall Bop 2. 0%. And it's, why no but it's, pronounce it. But it's got a 50% viewer rating, mm-hmm. and then you made a, a good comment on here that it's it, Kevin James himself has three movies on Rotten Tomatoes that all have 0%. Yep. That's insane. Like, how do they keep letting him be in movies? It has to be these numbers. Wait, are the first two grown-ups ones, or no, what are the other two? One of them two? is uh, Roberto Benigni's Pinocchio movie. Oh my! What? Yeah, he had a small role in that. Oh apparently, wow. And <laughs> the other one's like some low-name movie. I don't know what it is. Well, hopefully, I mean, because he's coming out in another film that's that we're gonna we have in the new releases. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's insane. Like, but. You can't make an argument for saying, well, these sh- movies shouldn't be made. Look how horrible they're doing critic-wise because mm-hmm. it makes just this, this much money in the first yeah. week. I mean, I hope people realize that they've made a mistake and they don't. I, I hope it's not like one of those things where you get tricked by something on the internet so you make other people watch it so you can kind of share 
you know the like bad feeling that thing that happened <laughs> that one time where it was like look at this little image and then all of a sudden something popped up and there's a loud yeah. noise and it scared people you know how that happened and everyone did it to each other mm-hmm. i hope that that's not this movie the the paul blart is the the i, I jump remember scare of the, the internet. jump scare of the internet well the one that i remember is the um it's a car commercial and mm-hmm. there's a car driving on a road in, a, in the distance so you get kind of close because like oh, i want to see the car and mm-hmm. then a thing just comes right right i don't know it's like a and it's not even like a scary it's like it looks like a halloween decoration right like someone just waved a halloween decoration but it's the just the jump scare of it so i'm saying this movie, this is, movie is, the is the jump scare, scare of cinema, cinema. Good. Uh, what I also think, and none of us are parents, uh, and I, I think none of us are really close friends with any parents. I would say, no. I, I am. Know. You are. Yeah. Like real close. Yeah. Do are you aware of any parents taking their children to see Paul Blart? Oh my God! I'm gonna ask now because I'm I, gonna ask all of my friends who have kids. This movie appeals to children. Well, because it's all slapstick. It's all slapstick, slapstick crap, and really I like never low, thought about low that. humor where it doesn't Even the take action a lot to... scenes are slapstick. Oh, yeah. Like He's none sliding. Of, no... He's just sliding on the ground. And he runs into a big glass window, which every kid does at some point. And every kid loves loves that. Oh, like, my God. I didn't even think about that. This is why Bugs that. Bunny was like a, like a thing. Yeah, but see, if this was a cartoon, I'd have much more respect for it. Mm, I, I, don't, I think <laughs> even Paul Black the cartoon would be pretty bad. I'm not arguing that. <laughs> Yeah, but you you have a different. You, what you're saying is you have a different standard for a children's film. Yes. and this to you is not a children's film, but now now you're seeing it in that light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, All it's right, definitely gonna, like I think that I'm going to ask and report back. Yeah, there's definitely an, an appeal and report. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Observing again and more reporting. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if you walked into that instead. Whoa, your children would be scarred for life. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, because the other kids' film out right now is Home. Yep. Uh, and I guess Monkey Kingdom, in a way, is a kids' film. Kids right, like right. monkeys, right? Uh, <laughs> should we talk about the fact that uh, Furious 7 is the fastest movie to reach 1 billion? But not the worldwide? Furious this. It should be. It had how it did it in, what, two weeks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's because of what we talked about the episode when it came out, about the fact that it's like... 75% non-white audience, more than mm. 50% female viewership. Like mm-hmm. the fact that it's reaching so many different gra- uh, demographics and that the majority of the f- cast is not white, like that's going to make it m- bigger overseas and other parts of the world. So I think this is a good trend. Like this is a good message to send to movie production companies well, that and you don't need a white cast i'm also i'm not gonna this is not a, a good or positive thing but when a cast member dies it, it usually oh no i agree, I uh, agree. somehow increases viewership depending on uh it, whether or not it's considered something of their last film or whatever all right well then it'll be interesting to look at the next movie if they make one and see what happens with that well that'll that'll be if if uh if time tells three mm-hmm. years from now right well something to look forward to that's, all right that's the way that they've been coming out recently all right, well, if no one has anything else to say, let's get to new releases. All right, new releases on DVD and Blu-ray. We have Everly, which I assume is about the Everly Brothers. Uh, Yeah. No, it's not. No. It's, uh, <laughs> who's who's the star? Why can't I remember her name? Selma Hayek? Selma That's Hayek. The, this, this is the... This uh, is the revenge... This is her John Wick or something. Yeah, it's, it Whatever looked like John Wick, it. but wasn't there a movie... Columbiana. Like, this just feels like another Columbiana, kind of. I mean, yeah. if it was, I'd like it. So, <laughs> did, did anybody see this? Uh, 
No, it came out earlier this year, mm-hmm. and uh, it actually um, she's like a like a sex slave or something who escapes her her captor, and that's wow. he's like a big mob boss, and so that's why she has all these guns. Wow. Yeah, that's that's ultimate not Colombiana vi- at all. But <laughs> ultimate vengeance against a sadistic mob boss and his army of assassins. There's nothing about her being a. Yeah. Well, I think she's there for his pleasure. Okay then. <laughs> That's what the trailer made me think. Well, she's also naked on the cover, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. A girl walks home alone at night. I heard this, so many good things about this. This is interesting. Well, First I vampire. really liked it. Oh, you've seen it? Yeah. Oh, what'd you think? I really liked it. And that was an interesting twist on the vampire thing, even though it's not really focusing on, ooh, I'm going to bite you type of stuff. It's uh-huh. just a girl walking around at night. She finds love, and it's a romantic story, and weird stuff happens. And oh, Wow. It's That's really cool. good, black and white Iranian film. I think it's coming on Netflix on demand like this month. Oh, nice, cool. Well, I'm definitely gonna check that out then. Yeah. And then our favorite movie of this year, Tack Three N. <laughs> I wrote it like that just for for us, yeah. for Tom and for us, <laughs> all that. of our enjoyment. Yeah, we all knew that was gonna happen. Thank you. <clears throat> So, so that's a movie, right? That exists. Okay, it's, it's got a wicked return time. One thing I've always noticed about how well movies do in the theater, right? If they do very well, there's a long lead before yeah. it comes out on DVD because they want to build anticipation. They also put a little bit more effort into the special features on the film. And maybe and stuff it's like in that. theaters itself longer, right? So it's got a longer run because they try to wait for it to even leave like the dollar theaters. They don't want to have it overlap with that because they don't want you to have to be able to go see it on a semi-big screen mm-hmm. for less than actually buying the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this <laughs> came out in January and it's turned around as April. Like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. Good times. <laughs> wow. Hopefully they don't make a... It would be... To Forkin. Yeah, to Forkin. It's definitely Tiforkin. what the next one That's what we saw the trailer to Fantastic Four. Oh, before yeah. uh, fan, Child 44. Fan Forstick. Yeah, Fan Forstick. Fan Forstick. Fan Forfist. Fan Forstick. That's the worst. Jeez. I hate it so much. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. On DVD only, this new Indiana Jones movie, Crystal Skull. That's exactly what I thought, too. It's. I wish it. I wish that... Uh, okay. Do you, do you both know about the, the, the story about how Bill Murray accidentally was in the Garfield films? No. Oh, the Ethan Coen thing? Yeah, he thought it was the Coen brothers were doing a Garfield movie, but it was, it was someone... Who also their last Has name is Cohen. Cohen? I heard about this. Yes, but it's a different spelling, and right. he didn't know he was just on the phone. It was and like, I, oh, Cohen's doing it. And and I don't like, oh. think Ethan had an H in it either. It was Ethan. Yeah, Cohen. it was definitely it was like super wrong spelling, but he misheard it or or they just didn't e- clarify. Ethan Cohen sounds like Ethan Cohen. Yeah, if you're not paying attention. So he did Garfield. That's awesome. And uh, I really wish that something happened with Harrison Ford like that for this film. Like, oh yeah, uh, Crystal Skulls. Wait, isn't this? Uh, the story about how Dan Aykroyd makes his vodka. Oh boy, I, I wish too. Oh this boy, is, this is none <laughs> this. Uh, this is actually. I read the description. It's something like uh, the world is ending, uh-huh. as per Mayan prophecies. Of course, they're sending people off on space arcs, as per 2012 what? ripoffs. Remember right? that movie? Yeah, that was what that movie was about. Uh-huh. Uh But here's the twist: the people back on Earth have discovered that if you find these crystal skulls on a Mayan dig site you can save the world with them and so they're trying to discover they're trying to dig up all these crystals while everyone else is just evacuating yeah interesting mm-hmm. so they're trying to save the that earth could be a good story but that makes more sense as like no, but this is like this an is anime show or degrade sci-fi fair so something that should have shown up on sci-fi instead it might of have good times because uh, uh i didn't put it on the list but Ar- arachna what was it called arach arachnophobia arachnacrake arachnaquake 
was another film that I could have put on this list. So the Earth opens up and spiders come yes. out. Yes, starring Edward Furlong. Remember him? Oh, yeah, American History him. X, son. That was probably wow. the best thing he's been in. Yeah. That right. is something else. Yeah. All right, what's and, next on the DVD only time? And then Seven Angry Men. Now, we're going to play a little game here. Uh, uh, I would argue that the best movie Edward Furlong was in was Terminator 2. Then you haven't seen, you haven't American, seen American History, History X. X. I have. Oh, okay. You just. I think that's an out. amazing movie, but Terminator 2 holds a special. Like, one of the uh, parameters for movies is how w- willing I am to watch it again. And I've seen American History X. You don't want to see a racist Ethan Sibley? I don't really ever want to see it again. Like, there's a bunch of movies that are part of my lexicon as someone who loves movies mm. and I think people should watch them and stuff like that but I personally never want to whereas Terminator 2 comes on that's going to be my next couple I, hours I feel you I never want to watch uh, Dream Dream Girls Requiem for a Dream Requiem for a Dream never ever, again. ever do I want to watch that but movie I, amazing movie oh my god the the just the scenes where Ellen Burstyn is watching the TV and mm. tripping out right I'm just like this, this is great amazing film but I can't never. do this Never. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a real bummer. Okay. But I agree. He's amazing in that movie. Yeah. Yep. We you can watch it with the video off, just listen to the sound. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting experience. Well then it, you'd have to mute it when you get to the crunch. Right. Noise. That would be bad. You could just imagine he is making a sandwich or something. Yeah, he's doing he's in a kitchen. <laughs> <sighs> Shooting those sandwiches. Yeah. It's the uh, <laughs> champagne. He's opening champagne bottles. Oh my god. All right. Let's just <laughs> Okay, so come on. This is a, a a little game that we play where uh, Jordan and Tom have not read or the description or do not know what this film we is about. We haven't seen the they haven't seen poster, the poster for it or anything. Nothing. They have no knowledge of what this film is. The film is called Seven Angry Men. It's coming out on DVD this week. Uh, that's all that they know. I am willing to give them one more clue about this film in order to guess the yeah, plot. I, I would like to go first because it seems like he knows what it is. No, I don't know what it is. I know what it should be. Oh, okay. okay. Well, then I want him to go first. Okay, then okay. you can go first, Tom, and then I will give Jordan a clue to help him further. Oh, right. no, 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 no. Please take a clue, because then... All right. I like the way this game is set up, <laughs> because that means the person who goes second has more information. I've been holding on to this for like 20 minutes. <laughs> give him a clue. Just give him one. All right. God, do you the year. Want, give him the year. Give him do the you year. want the year or... Um, the genre, right? Or genre. Genre. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go deeper than even what the genre they have written here. I'm going to call it a historical drama. Ooh. Okay. Please. All right. I think that this is a crossover between the Magnificent Seven and Twelve Angry Men. Oh my goodness! And how it does that end, Tom? Yes, please tell us. Um, or just how does that go? They Why do they meet? Uh, they convince each other not to shoot each other, and then there's a guy on the other side of the tracks, but he is already dead or something. I don't know how to put those two together. <laughs> like there's Charles Bronson for some reason, yelling with Henry Fonda off in the corner. Okay. Nice. Okay, so now, nice. Jordan, you will get the year. Oh, please. In addition to the genre. 1955. 1955. So I'm going to imagine this is a courtroom genre about a set of j- jury members, but because it's 55, they're all men. But and they're all mad. But it's seven. 12 is, is the number Oh, there's a jury. Well, see, it's it's like a small there's backwater a, there's town. There's already a film it's called a, 12 Angry Men. It's a small <laughs> it's backwater a court, town. It's a courtroom film. <laughs> and it came out in 19... Did it come out earlier than this? Which one? 12, 12 Angry Men. Well, 12 Angry Men was like, what, early 60s, I okay, think? Okay, I guess it came out after this. 
57. Close wow. enough. Right after. Okay, so then instead of a courtroom drama, it's right after that. It's a bunch of dudes who share a prison <laughs> cell block. Hmm. And they all, it's just about how uh, all of them are committed to the fact that they're all innocent. Hmm. And it's just about how they kind of get through prison life, even though they're all kind of hating where they are. Okay. Are you ready for the real description? Yes, please. Yeah. Here we go. 1955. Seven angry men. Abolitionist John Brown's fight against slavery ends with his 1859 arsenal raid at Harper's Ferry. Well, I remember this historical footnote. Yeah, it's all I ever think about. I remember being taught it back in, you know, middle school. Uh, the cast, I don't recognize any of these names, so sorry. So guys. good stuff. <laughs> but I thought the cover is kind of evocative. I really like the cover. It's of that classic, you know, everything looks a little painted. Oh, I like it. Mm-hmm. That's There's nice. a lady in there, too, but I don't know what role she plays. Lady uh, in the water. Yeah. Nice. It's Deborah Paget. All right, moving on to the Blu-rays. All right, on Blu-ray, we have Dance With Me, Henry. This is a Laurel and Hardy picture where they own a... Slave? Nope. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Then they're like, We're just following a theme. (laughs) No, they own an amusement park, and uh, the mob wants money from them, and children help them make the money at the amusement park. The cover's interesting. Yeah. uh, Is it Hardy is a balloon? Do I got them mixed up? That's weird. He's a balloon. There's another movie by the same name that has Abbott and Costello in it. Oh, maybe I'm... I'm, I'm see? This is what's wrong with me. I think it is Abbott and Costello. I'm wrong. Okay. This is this exposes me as not having seen a lot of Laurel and Hardy or Abbott or Costello. Two goofballs try and run a beaten down old amusement park. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. 56. And finally, The Toxic Avenger Part 2. Is this uh, animated? I don't know. This is the live action stuff from the... I bl- this one might be from the 80s, but it started in the 70s. I saw the first one. Yeah. Uh, they made three of them at what? least. And uh, the cartoon actually didn't even run for that long, but we all remember it somehow. It's because it was on in the late uh, 90s. Yeah, but so, like... Even though they only aired like four episodes, we all have a very distinct memory of the Toxic Avenger cartoon. That's so weird. Everyone that I know. And none of us can figure out why. I thought maybe because they had toys of it. I remember toys, but... There was a lot of toys, actually. What? All right. Do we... uh, Tom, you would at least recommend A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Yes, I would. And uh, since it's coming to Netflix soon, apparently, that would be really great. Like within the month, I'm pretty sure. The good stuff. Yeah. So check out your local video store. <clears throat> All right. Uh, we will be reviewing uh, the new uh, Tom Hardy and uh, Gary Oldman film, Child 44, right after this. Hello out there in Benview podcast land. My name is Josh and this is Jesse. Hello. And we happen to do a podcast about video games called the Extra Damage Cast. Indeed we do. If you like to talk about video games or more accurately listen to other people talk about video games, you should check out our podcast. It's at extradamage.com or on the Benview Network website, whatever that is. I've 
authorized to offer you promotion, Demidov, in the new state security. You will have a great life if you do as you are told. I had to tell you this son died of a tragic accident. It was a lie. My boy was murdered. Murder is strictly a captain's disease. You're flirting with treason. The man that killed my son, he's still out there. You know what people get around here when they demand the truth. They get terror. Enjoy your new life. You are not in Moscow anymore. If you do anything in Charlemagne's my authority, I will kill you myself. There's been another one. Same cause of death. This animal, he will keep killing and killing. Enough! What do you want? Me? I would like to stop him. I'm coming with you. There's a witness. Whisper to me, what did it look like? Where are you going? We find his job and we find him. Kill this man. Can you do that? Leo! You do know what happens now. And we're back. Jordan? Uh, I feel like this is more a Tom Hardy and Nomi Rapace movie than Gary Oldman. Because even though he's billed first because he's obviously a, a much more established actor, um, she's in the movie far more than he is. And I think plays a more pivotal role to Leo as a character rather than like, you know, uh, uh, a uh, kind of a stepping stone for Leo. Uh, which is uh, what Gary Oldman is. I'll I'll let you have that because th- that was how the movie how I remember the movie in my mind was it was them too. But yeah, I know for real. Uh, New Mirror Pace, big big deal in this film. Yep. Uh, this film, Child Forty Four, directed by Daniel Espinosa, who also directed Safe House. Yeah. Uh, everybody saw that, right? No, not me. I but saw a poster of it. Isn't it opposite Training Day? No. Well, maybe maybe my version of Opposite Training Day is different from what you would imagine Opposite Training Day. Okay, probably. Thank God, um, on me. I actually I mean, really enjoyed it. I mean, Opposite as in uh, Denzel secretly the good guy. In of Training course. Day, he's secretly like the bad guy. Oh, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean by Opposite yeah. Training Day. Okay. I actually really like Safe House because it, it was like, <clears throat> it was kind of doing a buddy cop film, but at the same time, neither of the two people wanted to be together. The only reason they did is because one guy's trying to do his job and the other one's trying to... do his own thing yeah and uh but they it didn't do the normal thing which is the old guy like knows his shit and the young guy's bad at everything like ryan reynolds is a very competent agent Mm -hmm. so he's kind of being pulled along on this crazy mission but he's still kicking butt so that was cool you you saw two guns right oh we reviewed that oh yeah yeah that's another one where it's like it's mm-hmm. two guys and it's not like neither of them's like the mentor and it's right. not like they want to be partnered up together. Right. But they're just doing what but they do. But they forge a friendship. It's a good new it. I don't even think it's new, but it's like a good it's a good tweak on the buddy cop genre. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Mm. Uh which this is kind of a buddy cop movie, huh? A little bit. No, it's more <laughs> of a comrade buddy. 
Oh, oh there fuck, we go. I screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's better. Comrade buddy. Yeah. We are comrade buddies. Comrade buddies. And I think it's appropriate that none of us can do a proper Russian accent like no one in this film could. Uh, I do about a good a Russian accent as anybody in this movie that isn't Russian. Because yeah. most of the main actors are either British or French. I just love the amount of tildes that were in the credits. <laughs> it's nuts. Uh yeah, so Child 44, uh, if none of you have heard about it, I don't blame you. They, there's not a big ad campaign going on for it. And also, the, the, the only way you might know about it, because there's not a big campaign, is it's based on a book trilogy that is highly regarded. It's really? award-winning all over the world. And it's been translated into like 50 different languages and stuff like that. And it's like, that's the only reason this movie was made, is because the book was so popular. All right. But I don't think so much here in America, which is kind of weird. It was a British author who wrote mm. it. Uh, so I'm just going to read the IMDb description because I think uh, I can't do much better than this. A disgraced member of the military police investigates a series of nasty child murders during the Stalin-era Soviet Union. Uh, the one thing that I'd add to this is we see his life before. Right. He's disgraced. It talks and then, about his his childhood and everything. Yeah. And he's also, uh, he's not supposed to be investigating these murders. No, he's not. He's very much told not to investigate these murders. So... Because uh, this is during a time... Maybe I could describe it better than this that. Is, this is post-World War II era where <laughs> it's like the beginning of the Cold War. Yep. And uh, Stalin was very prominent about the fact that um, a lot of crime is a, a byproduct of capitalist agendas mm-hmm. and um, government and all that stuff. So the communist way is obviously the perfect way. So they actually spoke about their country as a paradise. And the, the mm-hmm. phrase, there's no murder in paradise, comes up a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, just, they were covering up. Lots uh, of stuff. Legitimate murders and other crimes. And the crazy thing was, is like, I could understand the government like going in and saying, no, this was an accident, no big deal. But anytime they couldn't say that it was an accident, mm-hmm. they would catch innocent people and make mm-hmm. them confess because the way in which they... Be, I did a little bit of research on the chemical they used. It is a truth serum, mm-hmm. but not in the way... Like, it's not like the person can only tell the truth. It's whatever the person believes them, to be right? the truth yeah. and, and calms them down to a state to where they're highly suggestible. Yeah, yeah. So if you tell someone when they're under the effects of that chemical that they did those murders, eventually they will believe it themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's how they were doing it. And they, it was amazing because... The way they had that whole sequence where they have someone in prison, they torture them, and then they make a summary judgment and then immediately take them out and shoot them. Yeah. Like, that's legit. That's how it worked. I and also, uh, I found it very interesting. They they made a point that I don't feel like, <clears throat> I don't feel like they ever outright said it was like this, but the way that they showed it in a couple of scenes where someone, uh, they'd catch someone, and whether right. or not they did anything wrong, they were questioned. And then they were given a piece of paper and a pen, and they said, just write down the names of anyone else who is a traitor. And eventually, it, they wrote down names. And then the next... No matter what, because that was the only way next, they'd let you go. Yeah, and then that next, they'd go down that list and take all those people, and yeah. then say, write down all the names of the traitors. So it ends up being this huge web of people yeah, giving other never, names. You could never actually track whether or not any of those people were legitimately at risk of being traitors or or wrongdoers perhaps someone didn't like them so they wrote their name down exactly. or, or they didn't like the uh, a person connected to them uh, which is suggested at one point that which ends up being a subplot of the movie yeah a fellow officer uh ratted out tom hardy mm-hmm. but not re- like ratted him out in a false way yeah just so that way it would undermine his his position mm-hmm. so yeah it's i 
I thought that part was very uh, interesting. Yeah. Any thoughts, Tom? Um, I don't know. For some reason, the whole time I got hung up on the accents and wondering why they don't emote when they talk, which mm. really bothered me. Right, because they're Russian. They don't have time. It's too cold. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> How, I, how do I how know? Can what you, how can you emote when your face is frozen? Yeah, I, it's like, how do I know what you like or don't like? What are your motives in this? Give some sort of smirk or laugh or something. You're not allowed to have feelings. What, well, All they do is punch each other. Yeah, I think there was. Um, a, I'm going to bring it up again. The accents really detracted from this film. Right. I'm going to say, and uh, I've I've thought about this quite a lot actually, where there are films that are set in other countries or are supposedly a character... Yeah, they're just set entirely in a different country. But we don't cast any... They don't cast any of the people who are from that country. And it's all in English. And it's all in English. That totally takes me out of it every time. I feel like they shouldn't even bother with accents. No. As long as they don't have a distracting accent, they they can speak plainly. Because there are movies that did that. Like it was uh, Valkyrie with with Tom Cruise. Really? No one had a German accent. I really want to watch that now. Because Tom Cruise didn't try it. No one else did. They just all spoke English. Yeah. And when they did speak German, like they did a good job of having German... German accents, mm. but there was no like fake pushing of accents. Because I think if, if we're going to watch a film like this and believe that we're understanding what they're saying, it doesn't matter that they're saying it in a weird accent because it's it's like audio subtitles in a weird way. We already understand that no we one's speaking it. Russian, no so why do they have Russian. to have an accent? Yeah, and uh, they did this in, I mean, there, it was poignantly done in, in uh, uh, The Last Temptation of Christ, where everyone kept their natural accents. There was people... Uh, Bowie was in it, and uh, and uh, Harvey Keitel, and they kept you know Keitel has the you know Brooklyn accent. Right. Bowie is British. It's like it was just it was just a uh, uh, people like it right. wasn't like oh yeah they got to speak with weird accents. And and that's better than doing what they did in this movie because it's just it's just annoying. It just None brings you out of the experience. Yeah, they were all different. Tom Hardy went really hard into dropping thes. Yeah, and and uh, weird guttural noises. There were several times where I just turned to Christine and said, "I was born in the darkness," like <laughs> because it's almost Bane. Yeah. at a lot of times, and it's just just put a it's put a cloth over his face, and right. he's, he's Bane. Uh, and then, but when we finally get to Gary Oldman, he I don't think he did any accent. I no. think he just spoke, which I was totally fine with because I already but I already was... like the way Gary Oldman talks anyway. But it kind of drew me out of the film that I was already trying to be invested in because, oh, now here's a new character from the same area, but not... Yep, just a different part of Russia. Very different accent. It's so weird. Um, I just... Either either actually cast Russian people in it and have them speak English with their actual true Russian accents, which would still be distracting because then you're like, well, why aren't they speaking Russian? It's 50s. Yeah. They're definitely not speaking English. If someone was speaking English, that'd make them stand out so much that the government would pick them up. Why are you speaking English? You don't... That's not the national language. You know what I mean? So, I just don't know. Either go all the way and have all Russian actors, even good, get like nationally recognized big-time Russian actors. Bring them over Mm -hmm. and have them play pivotal roles or... Just do it all in plain English. Mm-hmm. It's just this middle ground. Just it takes everyone out of. Well, the especially experience. when they don't do good accents. I think there, there are plenty of other films where they do just fine on the accents, and we we just we deal with. I it. don't even think it's that. I think it's because everyone had a different Russian accent. Yeah, that's the problem. Uh-huh. If they all had a uniform kind of accent they used, yeah, would have been fine. Or if it made sense why they'd had drastically different accents. If they were from different parts from, of Russia that have different accents. Yeah, if they... Like, if that was in Quentin Tarantino's uh, movie, uh, the German one. Oh, yeah, Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. They spoke... 
they made a point of saying, no, I sound like I'm from this village in this part of Germany. Mm-hmm. And that made sense. That's a point. Like, do that. Pretty much. And I feel the accent's really what kept me from really getting into this. Right. Like, How can you believe anything? Yeah, because... I knew nothing. I just got a call to say, hey, want to be on the show? And so I saw it. <laughs> had no idea what I was getting into. It's like, oh, Tom Hardy. I like him. I liked him when we talked to a car and locked. That was fine. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's going on in this? I didn't really care for most of it. It's like, okay, these events happen, but they're happening so slow that I don't really care about it. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, I don't want to, I, I don't want to get into spoilers. That's just me. But I do want to, as we're talking about accents uh, and and weird casting, Charles Dance mm-hmm. shows up right at the end of this film. Uh, I don't know if you if you revere him, Tom. If you think he's Game a of Thrones good actor, no, I don't. Uh, he plays no. Tywin Lannister on Game of Thrones. He he's uh, he's good. I like him a lot. He's fantastic, and actor. I think he's a really good villain. Really weird that he, he was great up at the end of this. In Imitation Game, where he played a very similar role as mm-hmm. this film, but in Imitation Game, he. He does that great thing where he gets mad at uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and says, "Get out of my office." And it's like that's that's a great Charles Dance thing right, to do. Right. That's a great thing to have this actor do, where he's he's kind of he's got that anger boiling, and he just like he's just here to say, "Yeah, uh, you got the job, and uh, thank you." And he's speaking in a British accent. He has no Russian accent, no, but he's he the head try of Russian all. government or something. Yeah, he's like high up in their clandestine it services. It didn't make really any sense. weird. It was super weird. It but just, I was just happy he was there, away. not doing an accent. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was, he was just completely wasted on, on this film. Right. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. I, I think the, the plot of this film was so, so meandering mm-hmm. that it took yeah. so long to get to Gary Oldman. Yeah. I wasn't even entirely sure what was happening for like the first 40 minutes or whatever. It's like, okay. It's, yeah. it's set so much in, yeah. in like his job and his relationship with his wife and. I understood that, but it's like, why do we need to focus on this for so long? When's the story going to get going? Because this is based on the first book in the trilogy, and it's focusing on setting up a character that you're going to care about for the next two books. So it took that structure, and it didn't need to, because I don't think this is going to get a sequel. Like, we should have just had an establishment. the top ten. Right. So, I don't know. I think that's more because of the advertising thing. One thing I wanted to bring up that is really different is the the author based the serial killer on a real serial killer. Oh. But this serial killer started... Um, killing children and women in the seventies. Oh, and wasn't caught until the nineties. He killed. Mm. He killed people for twenty years. Yeah. Well, this one kind of seems to imply that he's right. killed for a long time. So it's interesting that the author took that character and dropped him back two decades. Mm. Uh, well, actually, no, four decades because he starts killing. He in starts the 30s, way earlier. Yeah. Right, and then he gets caught in the fifties. And in the real serial killer uh, was caught and tried and executed, mm. um, whereas this one. Yeah, it's different. It's different. Um, but I just I found it really interesting. Um, but almost uh, like a lot of the key things are similar using the rail lines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He was an engineer that worked at several different factories. So, huh? Yeah. Uh, but but I think in this case, uh, I mean, I I don't want to say who plays the the killer. No. Yeah. No, no. uh, but I I think the way that he was played was. Like if if I saw that guy in a crowd, I'd go, yeah, that guy's the super. Yeah, no, I don't like. He kind of like had a limp and shifty eyes. Yeah, he like doesn't walk right, and he's very like he's the only dude ever talking to children in the entire movie that aren't his own. Yeah, like, come on, Uh, I shouldn't I shouldn't be able to look at a scene and go, yeah, that's him, that's him right there. It was very obvious. Yeah, Yeah. uh, 
felt like he was randomly drops like, oh shit, we're running out of time. Let's just start putting Manny there. <laughs> it's just like, if, if I'm supposed to believe this guy killed children for 20 years, he can't be that easy to pick out of a crowd. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. So... That kind of sucks. But I mean, that could be more of a point of like showing how much the government covered up. Right. That it was that obvious to tell this dude was something wrong with him. Mm. But no one was willing to admit that there were that type of crimes happening in Russia. And I do think there's a very interesting thing they do with him where uh, I think in a, in a, I don't want to say lesser, but in, in a, a more exploitive film, perhaps they would have actually shown him doing something to a kid. Right. It's Uh, interesting. But in this one, he, he's so mentally unstable that he he performs the like the ritual of murder on himself in right. a way and uh that's enough to be i think scary enough and to, to, be, to be aware creepy. of his process because we see the before and the after but never the act yeah and um i don't know that's really interesting uh and it, in this world it's so interesting that a, a serial killer could exist because the society and the government and the way it interacts makes everyone so distrustful of the government and each other. Yeah. Like everyone's willing to point the finger at someone else to displace blame. Mm -hmm. But someone who's doing this type of heinous stuff will go unnoticed because everyone's too busy worrying about themselves. Mm -hmm. And the only way Tom Hardy could even get people to listen to him was to put them in the position of like, well, you have kids. It could happen to you. Yeah. And that's, that's crazy that you have to go that far to get, uh, people in you know the military police because there was no police system at this time it was all military mm-hmm. um, so just to get people in the military to listen and I kind of find it interesting because after during the Cold War the Russian government did establish a police system and start actually considering crimes and this movie ends with the creation of a homicide department in Moscow. Yeah. And up to that point, there was nothing like that. So it's kind of the birth of... I mean, the police are still controlled by the state in Russia, mm-hmm. but it was a separate entity. And it's its actually really interesting. I, I always find it uh, interesting in films when uh, they want to show that the main character is someone that we want to like. Mm-hmm. And the way that they do that is they, they contrast Tom Hardy with uh, Joel Kinnaman, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Ugly Robocop. Yeah. And... Uh, the way that he performs his duties as a as a soldier and the way that uh what's his name leo mm-hmm. tom hardy's character does it's just showing that he has more compassion than the other people around him right mm-hmm. and that even if he is part of this like horrific system yeah he's still and he is he is a party to these injustices that happen constantly but it's more you can tell it's he's doing it as a duty mm-hmm. but i i love that they almost didn't make tom hardy's character likable like for the majority of the movie, I didn't like him at all mm. because his relationship to his wife, you can tell from the very beginning is kind of fucked up. Yeah. And the, it's the, the movie kind of becomes a gauntlet to which their marriage goes from something that happened because she felt it had to, to actually caring about him and feeling a connection and then becoming closer. Like it was almost a movie about them going through this experience. And I, that was something I didn't expect from the film. And I really liked that thing. Uh, Christine made a funny point of saying, like, well, the only time anyone gets killed is them doing it together. Like, they never kill anyone individually. Mm -hmm. They do it together. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um Yeah, what do I do? I feel like I feel like it got the the setting right. Mm -hmm. Like this felt like Russia. Yeah. It was 
because cold and dark and, and you just imagine that like an industrial co- country at the time with no capitalism everyone there's going to be the upper class the military class mm. and the the industrial worker class mm-hmm. and that's it and all you see like there's the majority of the movies in dirty dark places that are very squalor the only time we see any you know beautiful things is in leo's home which i want to know where he got his money from because that's well, not normal his uh, his house was not the norm for military police i i think between him and his his wife there was a lot of um they were getting special treatment yeah i think and i'm wondering it, it it's kind of unspoken but the guy who brought him into the military that almost feels like a father father figure for him so yeah, yeah. i'm interested in maybe that guy didn't have any kids and he left is inheritance to Leo. Maybe. And that's kind of probably where he got his money. I kind of want to read the book now. Yeah. <laughs> just to kind of get more of this character. Because the character as a whole seems interesting. Because Leo is not, he's not a nice person. He's not like someone who's going to smile at people and stuff, which I think is a result of growing up in Russia it's during true. this time. Right? But at the same time, you can tell there's compassion there, but it's it's bridled. It's, it's held back by his upbringing and be, being in the military and everything. So... I don't know. That's just an interesting well, being character. An, an, an orphan. I right. think there was something going on in this film where everything centered on children yep. and how, how you were raised. It all spun from a massacre that left, or it was a massacre or a, a food shortage There's or something. Food, they, it, yeah, there was opening text, which is always, I get a little iffy when a film has to open with some text right. to explain to you what's going on. Because uh, I I prefer the show don't tell. But like tens of but, thousand kids were. Yeah. We had to get a little history lesson where it explained how there was so many orphaned children in Russia that it was easy for some to slip through the cracks. Yep. And I thought, oh, this is going to lead into how kids are going missing or dying. Well, that and then, carried no, through. Then it was like, oh, twenty years later. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't expect time jumps like this. There were yeah. some big time jumps. Yeah. There was like a twenty year and then an eight year. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, okay. There's some stuff happening. We're, we're going through time. I can tell we took the book plot and cut some parts out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I think it's, it's he's directly, I mean, it becomes kind of central towards the end of how he was an orphan and how that affected him and other orphans. And his view of children and in his general. his view of children, yeah. Yeah. And uh, early in the film, uh, you know, his good buddy, Joel Kinnaman, uh, shoot some parents and he's like no 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 no. what the hell are you doing just stop what the what the fuck you don't need to do this yeah he's like don't make orphans like that's, yeah you don't need to do this and i think he was going to go on to kill those kids like yeah 100 shooting yep yeah he, he was he was supposed to be like the real shithead that we hate and oh it, he is and he the was. real shithead that yeah. we don't like oh well yeah every film needs one yep so i don't know if i would even say that i mean wait for this to come on cable it's not a bad movie, but there's a lot of distracting parts, and maybe it should have just stayed a book. Yeah, I think there's enough to make a decent movie out of this. Like, right. I'm fine with the performances overall, and like you said, settings are pretty good. It's just it drags on and on and gets a while to get going and gets a while to end. And Yeah, it's, it's giving you plot but not really doing it in an interesting way, yeah. and the only time you appreciate it is at the end when you kind of realize the reason you were given the plot, but during the movie, you're right, like the first 40 minutes are just kind of boring Yeah, until the end when you realize why you were given that 40 minutes. It kind of all ties in, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's, it's not a bad... I, I wouldn't suggest anyone pay full price to go see this in theaters, and obviously no one did because of the poor advertising, and not that it's not in the top ten at all. And would you would you even believe this is the third film that Tom Hardy and Gary Oldman have been in together? I believe it. Yeah, 
Really, it's the fourth, I think. Fourth? What's the? What am I missing? Lawless, Tinker Tailor oh, Soldier Spy, oh Dark Knight Rises, and this one. I forgot Gary nice. Oldman was in Lawless. Nice. Oh my god, he was the best part of Lawless. That's all I too. could think about during the movie. It's like, how many have they been in together? They've been in a lot of movies together. I don't mind it. That's pretty yeah. great. Uh, yeah, Tinker Tailor was good too. I still need to watch that. Mm-hmm. I've only seen bits and pieces of Lawless. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Lawless, you can skip. I've, that's what I've heard. Uh, that's not a. That's not necessary. I don't remember what I thought, but for some reason, I have a good memory of it. Oh, good. It's well, not I mean, great, but I think we went out to dinner before. That yeah, might, that maybe might that was that it. might be it. It was a fantastic meal, and Scott, it Scott Ackerman has a has a great bit where he says that movie reviewers should put down what mood they were in when they saw a film. Yeah, I think that's yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's important. I think that's important, but it, yeah. it's a little dumb. Yeah. But I don't care. It's yeah. it's a little. I mean, it's true it because it. even even the most objective reviewer is still subjective. Yeah, and that whatever like, you take into the film, you're going to bring out with it. Yeah if, yeah, if like on the way to the theater, they you know got into a fender bender and then right. they, went and they saw the film. They're oh like, ah, shit! I'm so mad. Yeah, that's very easy to mess up your night. And anything you see and do at that point. Okay. All right. So that is our review of Child uh, 44. Uh, Now, what's coming out this week, Tom? All right. New in theaters this week, we have the sequel to the Christopher Plummer classic, Adult (laughs) Beginners, The Age of Adeline, and limited release in relation to Child 44, Little Boy. And also related to Paul Blart. Oh, boy. This is the Kevin James film. Wait, Kevin James kills kids? No, he saves them? I don't know. What? <laughs> okay, and awesome limited to release the water diviner. All right. Uh, before we get to guess the ending, uh, let's give a little thanks out. Uh, first to Silent Partner, uh, who, do, who did our theme song, which is called Sophomore Makeout, and you can find it on the YouTube audio library. Yay. Uh, also thanks to Justin, Justin Kizon, for doing our logo. You can find him at Agents of Guard, or if you listen to the other Benview podcast called Benview on Spielberg, which I believe Tom is a fan of. Yeah, really good. Uh, and uh, he does that podcast with Matt Benson, and every month they talk about a different Spielberg film, or in one case so far, a television show that he directed yeah. at Columbo. And then a Shaq movie for some reason. You, you didn't know what day it was when that came out? I saw that and it's like, nope. <laughs> Uh, Sam's great. So, uh, you can find Justin Kuzan at agentsofguard.com or Benview on Spielberg is on uh, benviewnetwork.com or you can search for it in any of your podcast providers. Uh, Matt Benson also does a podcast with me called Shut Up Leonard and it's all about community. The TV show that was on NBC and now is on Yahoo screen because that's a thing that exists. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find that at shutupleonard.com or benviewnetwork.com or uh, it also, we're on Twitter, at shutuplenpod. Tom! Yeah. Tell me about your stuff. All right. A bunch of stuff that I do, and one of the first ones is I write over at optigrab.org and mostly talk about movies and TV there. Like, basically, I review stuff, have weekly columns, and right now I'm reviewing, like, Louie and Mad Men and... Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Bob's Burgers, if those two ever come back, because they've been gone for like a month now. And then I write over at ReadWave about the same stuff, readwave.com on Mondays and Wednesdays. I also have a bunch of short stories on Amazon and Smashwords. I have a whole bunch that are free right now, because I decided, well, why not? April, might as well release one a week. And so I have a new one out this week called The Carrier Pigeon. So check that out. Good stuff. And... um 
Finally, I'm also featured in this month's Bright Wall Dark Room for two bucks. Check it out. It's the comedy edition and wrote something on Animal House, which was pretty good, I guess. So check all that out and let's move on. I have to read that. Uh, Bright Wall Dark Room? Right. That's good. <clears throat> Jordan? I work at a website called Gamer Salt Weekly. I stream every other Saturday. I should be streaming this weekend. I don't know why I'm not, so I'll talk to them. But if I do stream, it'll probably be Heroes of the Storm because I just started playing that and I like it a lot. But Heroes Tuesday, of the Storm. Exactly. They should play that the whole time I'm playing. Uh, this Tuesday, uh, we're going to have Vanessa playing some Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. On Thursday, Alex is going to be streaming Killer Instinct. Uh, he plays all the fighting games. It's actually a lot of fun watching him play. And then this weekend, hopefully, I'll be playing some Heroes of the Storm. So be sure to come to twitch.tv backslash Weekly Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to watch us play some games at 5 to 7 p.m. Oh, no. Looks like it's 6 to 8 now. They changed it. 6 to 8 p.m. All right. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this on a Shut Up Planet a couple of weeks ago, and I forgot to mention it again. Uh John Roderick is running for Seattle City Council, and he has a great podcast called Roderick on the Line, <laughs> and I think everyone should vote for him if you live in He's Seattle. He's in the band The Long Winters, The right? Long Winters, yeah, which does the theme song for, for My Brother, My Brother, my brother, my brother and, and Me. me. Yep. Uh, uh, that sounds familiar, <coughs> but not too familiar, <laughs> but not too not familiar. I like it. I see what you did there. It's a new craze. <laughs> so go to VoteRoderick.com uh, and donate going, going to his right cause. Uh, he... I think would make a very great uh, city council member, and uh, I I think it's very important. Did I get it right? Are you, are you typing it right? I typed it in there like that. It didn't work. Uh, are you spelling Roderick right? I'm pretty sure. R o d e r i c k. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe they lost vote Roderick. Vote, <laughs> vote Roderick. I thought that was it. Com. Yeah, I'm not. Here, I'll Google it. Please Google it because if I thought it was VoteRoderick.com. I put in Google. Uh, but he's at, uh, on Twitter, it's at VoteRoderick. I know that much. Oh, you know what? I'll just go there because then it will have a link. Uh, but this is important. I, I know everyone's like, what's going on? What's happening? No, uh, we're going to get a little political. I fully support John Roderick for Seattle City Council. We do not live even in the state of Washington, but I, I believe in this man. It's a direct if, shot upwards, though. If you If you... Ever listen to Roderick on the line, his podcast with Merlin Mann, uh, you will know that he cares about civics, which is, I think, something that politicians do not care about these days. They care about money and all kinds of stuff. You're missing the E, R-O-D-E. R-O-D-E? Yeah. It's Roderick? Roderick. (laughs) That's probably what happened when I tried to do it on Uh vote. Uh Roderick. Glad we're getting this all live. (laughs) It's important. All right. And yes, here it is. It works. Look at that man. I it's want that man to be yes. the city council member of wherever he lives. And he's a rock star. Is like that yeah. Alton? Isn't that great? And he, yeah, he makes great music. <clears throat> so uh, that's enough about that. Go to BenViewNetwork.com for all of your other podcast needs. You'll find other great shows such as Midnight Marinara. And, uh, yep, that's about it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Popsicles <laughs> is great. <laughs> Radio Brindo Man. Uh, all of them. All the great shows. 
check them out, benvnetwork.com on Twitter, at benvnetwork. Our personal website, nevpodcast.com, also part of the Benvy Network. You can email us with your, your thoughts, uh, extra opinions, movies that we should check out. Whether or not there's a local video store that still exists near yep. you. nevpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at nevpodcast. And my personal Twitter is at podcasterandrew. I'm at truevelk. And I'm at optigrab. And now it's time for Guess the Ending. You'll never guess how it ends. And I'm going first because I didn't want to do the one about a man's love for his little boy because that's just weird. Uh, Adult Beginners, directed by Ross Katz with a Z. So you imagine that this person... Related to Dr. Katz? Must uh, be. Well, no. It's it's a game about cats and they make it cool by putting a Z on the end or a oh. Z if you're from another country mm. on the end. Um, because that's how you make cool video games that sell to kids. Uh, starring uh, Rose Byrne, Nick Kroll. Um, I really like that movie, Kroll. Uh, Bobby uh, Carnival and Joel McHale. A young narcissistic entrepreneur crashes and burns on the eve of his company's big launch. With his entire life in total disarray, he leaves Manhattan to move in with his estranged pregnant sister, brother-in-law, and three-year-old nephew in the suburbs, only to become their nanny. So, um, what no one knows is that this is a combination of uh, The Pacifier and The Guest. Has anyone seen The Guest here? No, but I know about it. I've heard it's good. I want to see it still. But I I know the plot. So, uh, what happens is, is he moves in and... He tells everybody that he was an entrepreneur. He crashed and burned and lost all this money. But really, he's a spy. But he's not a spy for America. He's actually a British spy. Um, and uh, Which is really weird because his sister doesn't know that she's British. But that's why it made him such a good spy. Um, uh, there's a backstory where he got brainwashed. He was American. They made him British. Long story. But he shows up, and he's trying uh, to uh, be a nanny and his his goal is to try and take care of all the kids in the neighborhood so that way he can make them watch these brainwashing videos as very young kids and turn them into future british spies uh towards the end of the movie we find out that he kind of went off the reservation and the british government doesn't want him to do this they kind of disavowed him a long time ago because of mental instability so he's making all these little british spies in america when Britain and America are not at war with each other. So he's creating this like little subclass of little crazy spies that are all, you know, set set to some timer so that way at the drop of a hat he can turn them into his little British spy army. And it the end of the movie is just him fulfilling his goal, taking care of all the kids in the neighborhood. All the parents are super happy. All their kids have never behaved this good before, but it just shows him laughing maniacally as his little, you know, soldiers are marching in step because he's taking over the neighborhood. That's, that's crazy. Tom's next. Okay. <laughs> I chose The Age of Adlai because that trailer's insane. <laughs> um, it's about a young woman born at the turn of 20th century is rendered ageless after an accident. After years of solid life she meets a man who might be worth losing her immortality for hold on who's in this movie uh why is is that a misspell or is it mikiel holds i please i'm gonna say it's not a misspell because i remember copy pasting blake unlively 
Amanda Crew and Harrison Ford. <laughs> and and young Harrison Ford that they time traveled into the movie. Yeah. Which Okay. Anyways, this woman who we presume is Adeline, she's doing her stuff, la di da di da. And then one day she decides to go into town to have a little fun with her girl pals and suddenly her car swerves off the road and smashes into a tree. Lightning falls. She ends up in the hospital. And suddenly she realizes she's been in a coma for like a few years. Let's just say two for the hell of it. And um, suddenly she wakes up like, oh, why is everyone full of wrinkles and I'm not? Then she begins to realize that somewhere in there, her metabolism adjusted to lightning and she became ageless. And so she goes about her life trying to figure out what's wrong with me. How come I can't age? My boyfriend's now 80 and... So she begins to worry and it's like, oh, you're too ugly. I'm going to find a young hot man because that's what I do because I'm young. And soon it gets lonely because then he becomes 80. And this happens a few times until finds an old man who's aged in the other way. We'll call him Ben. And so <laughs> she meets Ben and suddenly they meet right at the mill. It's like, I want to age older. It's like, I want to age older too, but life dealt me a shitty hand. And so... They're sitting there trying to figure out what to do with their life. And then for some reason, through the magic, they decide to go on a car ride. And just like the David Cronenberg movie Crash, they crash, have sex, get hit by lightning, and somehow everything's back to normal. They grow all together. And uh, Benjamin Bunn lives like 150 years because he screwed up his order of aging. That's a, that's a bummer. Wow, yeah. I heard that whole thing and it was amazing. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to guess the ending for a film called The Water Diviner. <laughs> directed by, what's that? Oh, it's an actor, Russell Crowe. Starring, oh, Wait, what's he directed that? this? It's, it's maybe an actor, Jai Courtney. Uh, uh, Isabel Lucas, Olga Kurlienko, and Russell Crowe. Oh, what a coincidence. He's directing and starring in this film. I've never seen that happen before, where no. an actor it makes their directing debut is this his debut yes i hope so otherwise i'm wrong uh <laughs> and uh, is also starring in it uh oh look at that it's about an australian man i wonder who that could be i don't know an australian okay. man travels to turkey after the battle of gallipoli to try and locate his three missing sons so the way this film opens though it doesn't actually tell you any of that you see a man he's walking through a desert alone uh and uh you see, he looks around. He's very like suspicious of what's going on. He's trying to make sure he's all alone. He pulls out a stick. And he holds it out in front of him. And then he turns slowly. And then the stick starts to vibrate. And he turns more and it starts to vibrate more. And then he gets really close to the ground and it's sh- shaking. His hands are violently shaking from the, the stick. And then he, he just pulls out a shovel. He's got a shovel on his back. He sticks it into the dirt, into the sna- sand, and he starts digging. And then a title card comes up. One year earlier, okay? So the way that this film goes is him looking for his sons because one of each, okay, each of his sons has a part of his stick that finds the water. <gasps> yeah. And uh, they, they stole it from him and then they accidentally broke it and then they were, one of them was arrested, uh-huh. the other one went into the army and then the other one got married and they so, all left suddenly. Okay. This is, was all very sudden. Is one called the wisdom stick, the other one called the courage stick, and the other I, one called the I, love stick? I didn't want to say. But what? yeah. So, <laughs> um, 
And oddly enough, the one in in jail is the has the wisdom stick. What? Because yeah, he knows. Talk about much, a twist. Uh, but yeah, so eventually he has to go and find his sons. They're not exactly missing. They're just more like they've gone off on their lives. But they didn't tell him that they stole his water stick, mm-hmm. and uh, it is actually magical and consents water. Uh, so of course, but because the way that this film opens, which is dumb, you know that he gets the stick back by the end of the film. Uh, but then you, then what you don't know is why he's using it again. Because right after that, it shows him saying, "I'm never going to use this stick again." And so you find out that one time he used it, and bad people stole the water from a town, and he felt bad about that. That wow. he helped that happen. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, but then by the end, he has to use it uh, to save um, the uh, one of the, the the son who got arrested. Uh, they get the stick from him, but he's still in jail, so they have to use the water to flood the jail to save him again. Yeah. All right. It's Yeah, it gets pretty wow. crazy right at the end there. Sounds like it. All right, so if any of those endings are correct... Which they all are. Yeah. Uh, please email us, nevpodcast at gmail.com, or email us and tell us that we're wrong. You know, we'll take it both ways. I know I do. All righty, then. Uh... I think we're dead set on reviewing The Age of Adeline. Yeah. It's true. It's, yep. it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if Tom will be back. I don't know who will be sitting there. Uh, if you want me, I'll be back. This movie looked insane. I've been like wanting to see it. Well, maybe we'll have you back. I think that that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and nope, there's no more plugs. There's nothing else left to say except thanks for listening. This has been. Did we, what did we end? Oh, we ended the guessing. Thank you. Thank goodness that you made me say that. Because if we didn't end the guessing, the uh, next then time... It, it never would have ended. Yeah, we would have had just had to start the show guessing. Mm. That's not cool. <laughs> That's not cool at all. All right. Uh, but check out all those other podcasts we mentioned. Uh, rate, review, all those other great things. Uh, but until next time, this has been episode 221 of Nerds Eye View. I'm Andrew. I'm Jordan. I'm Tom. See ya. Who makes it make sense because he zaps it with the old screwdriver? That's because ties it across. Time. But see, that's why. He, but see, the reason why that works is because everything is connected to the TARDIS. Yeah, and that's the infrastructure. As long as he has that, all of the stuff works. Hey, look, we don't know the time traveling capabilities of Wi-Fi. There's no way for us to test whether or not Wi-Fi see, worked in the past. That's why he makes. Well, all you need is the infrastructure, like I said earlier. So if the TARDIS is the infrastructure, you're fine. So if we could hypothetically send someone back in time. Wi-Fi that we've created right now is traveling back. No. Time. No, look. We know that only gravity and love travels through time. And McConaughey. And McConaughey. All right? And a cool robot. Those robots are so cool. They were so cool. They were so They should just be in the new Star Wars. I want those robots. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BendUNetwork.com.